Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm your host, Jeff Howard, and I'm very excited because I have one of my favorite filmmakers here, Christine Salazi. Hey, Christine. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. All right. So introduction. Christine's film, My Friend the Plants, is a hilarious mockumentary. In fact, mockumentary horror comedy, which is how you described it for the film festival. And I got to say, like, just the fact that it's a mockumentary horror comedy, I think, says all all I need to say about how creative and fun it is. It's just so fun. And you are one of those returning champions, uh, as I like to call people like yourself, because your film was at the Sherman Oaks Film Festival in 2021, and it took home the award for Outstanding Short Film Comedy. And then you probably didn't know that the same team that runs the Sherman Oaks Film Festival runs Film Invasion Los Angeles, and you submitted to Film Invasion Los Angeles, and I think I sent you an email probably saying, oh, the festivals are like sister fests, so... But thankfully, this the COVID thing gave us hybrid festivals, right? So I could say to you, you know, we can't really give you theater time again, but we can have it be an official selection again. And you said, cool. And you took home another award. You took home the Audience Award for Best Short Film Comedy. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, yeah, as, as, I, as I like to say, you just spend most of your life going to film festivals and taking home awards. That's, that's my impression. For the past year, yeah, it was it was a really good year. Yeah, you had a really good year and a wonderful festival run. It was really, you know, it 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 delights me to to watch people's social media should only be used to watch people doing valuable, fun things that are rewarding to see. I've I've pretty much curated my social media, so I only see what filmmakers are up to, and I see guinea pig videos. But that's a whole different story. That's cute. I really love that. Oh, we got the cutest guy in this house, but we don't have to talk about McGinney Big. So <laughs> exciting news. I'll, I'll say up front for people who want to see my friends, the plants, you, you have had it uh, in some venues, but I guess I'll just mention high TV. Editors note, every time I say high TV, I should have actually said TV high. The service has been rebranded. It is called TV High, as in watchtvhigh.com, T-V-H-I. And you can learn more about it on social media if you go to at watchtvhigh. And that's always T-V-H-I. Back to the podcast. It is on High TV as we speak because High TV is a smart TV app that's on like every platform. Uh, <laughs> I should be able to name this Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV. Oh, Android TV is the fourth. And then Android and iPhone as well. So people can search for the app High TV. And High TV is like great content to watch uh, when one is enjoying marijuana or other things or not because all the films on there are actually wonderful to watch sober. I've actually never seen my friends of the plants high. But I plan to correct oh. this. Mm-hmm. I've heard have it's you, a trip. Have you gotten to see it that way yet? Not personally watched it high yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, now we have goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 2023, here we come. 2023 is the year I try to watch everything on high TV properly. Maybe. Yes. There's no other way. There's no other way. <laughs> so anyway, I invite people to watch the film that way. I'm sure there's other ways they can find it. Um, and I guess at the end of the podcast, I'll ask you to give your website and stuff so people can, can track it down. Awesome. What we generally do on this podcast and my apologies if this intro was like super clunky, uh, dear listener, Christine and I are on zoom. And so if I'm louder than her, I apologize. It's not my fault. It's zoom's fault. And I haven't recorded one of these for a couple of weeks because this is like we're this is the first week of January, just back from vacation, and I can already tell I'm 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 not so sharp. So anyway, <laughs> I'm right there with you. And I'm apologizing to Christine as much as everyone listening. But hey, this is going to be really fun because Christine, you're about to. I warned you. The first question was just going to be. I mean, you're this super talent. You, you're the lead actor in the film. You wrote and directed the film. Uh, and and honestly, all parts, I actually, yeah, I 
believe you've gotten awards like for all every role you've been involved in. Uh, you know, your performance is great. The writing and directing is great. So what got you into this crazy creative field of uh, performing and filmmaking? What were your what were your initial inspirations to get get into the arts? Um, I've wanted to be an actor since I was three. And I knew that I was either going to be an actor or a professional soccer player. And I'm a little too old to be a professional soccer player at this point. So that didn't work out. Um, and so I've been pursuing acting full time, uh, since 2016 and it's been really interesting. Um, I'm very picky about the roles that I, that I go out for. I'm very picky about the roles that I take. And, um, as a result, I, kind of started to only get cast in specific roles. Um, and then obviously being a woman in the industry, you know, who is no longer in her twenties, uh, you know, you come up against some pitfalls and you're like, all right, at what point do I start, um, taking things into my own hands and really kind of being like, you know, I want to have ownership over my career I don't want to just go out for whatever in order to get a paycheck. Like this is my art. This is something that I am constantly thinking about and constantly doing. I don't want to treat it like it's just something that, you know, I'm okay doing like just this kind of role for the rest of my life. Um, I'm very much a character actor and I wanted to have an opportunity to show that to people. And so a friend of mine, Sean Carmichael, he let me know about, uh, this really great fellowship for women in film um, called it's through the Shauna E. Shea Memorial Foundation, Inc. It's called the woman in film fellowship grant. And I applied for it and it was kind of like just, you know, throwing things into the air and being like, all right, this probably won't work out, but if it does, it'd be really cool. And sure enough, it ended up working out and I ended up getting a grant um, to make a film. And I had written a completely different film. Um, It was much more of a drama. It was much more of a personal story. And then COVID happened and I needed to make a film within the year to give to them for their, their film festival the following year um, to show it there. And so I sat down and I was like, I need to come up with something that's contained that I can do with a very small cast and crew now because the world's changed. And I don't want to use this as, an excuse to continue, you know, putting things on the back burner for myself. Like this has to happen. And I don't know the, how, the, where, the, why, but I'm going to figure it out. And so I sat down and I wrote and I rewrote and I wrote and I rewrote. And I'm very grateful that I have good friends who, you know, during COVID also had all the time in the world. So they would sit down and they'd read my scripts that I sent them and they'd give me honest feedback. And a lot of the feedback, a lot of the time was, we know you're a good writer and we know that you're so weird and we're not seeing either of these. And I had to sit down and really think about it. And, you know, you, you go through that period of like, when you first start writing, you have a little bit of an ego about it. And when people give you feedback, it hurts a little bit. Um, and you think about it and you're like, no, that's not true. I'll go ask this person over here until like you ask so many people and you're trying to get that one answer. And then you get to a point where you're like, I can't grow in my art. If I stay there, I have to be willing to hear what people are saying and really look at your work, um, outside of yourself and be like, is this true? And so that's what I did. And I, you know, got to a point where I think a lot of artists do where one day I kind of just gave up and I was like, I've written eight freaking scripts at this point. Like, which one is it going to be? And they're like, you're just not there yet. And I was getting so frustrated with myself because I was like, it's not there. And I was marching down the street one day and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to write a story about a woman who has plants that are vampires. And they're like, that's it. That's the story. And I was like, no, like what? (laughs) Stop it. Um, And so I was able to go back to like the eight scripts that I wrote and take chunks of each one and really apply it to this new story, this new idea. And, you know, it became this, what was a grueling process, uh, something that became really cool. And I was able to piece so many things together that I wouldn't have if I hadn't previously written those scripts. Like it wouldn't have come together the way that it did. Um, 
And then I worked on it. You know, I think by the time we actually ended up shooting it, I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted it to be the best that it could be. And, you know, the script, I think we were on version 17 by the time we shot. So it wasn't this, you know, thing that just happened out of thin air. Like it really blossomed into something um, and it really took its time. And as annoying as that can be and as frustrating it can be, you know, you look back and you're like, okay, that was all happening so that we could get to this point. Um, and on the, it sounds like you really found your voice with it. I did. I really did. Um, I have ADHD. So for me, um, I always have like my brain never turns off when I'm sleeping. It's talking when I'm doing something with my hands, it's talking. It's just always talking. And so oftentimes what'll happen is, you know, it's a gift and a curse in that it gives me the opportunity to hop into my brain to the point where if I'm sitting down and reading a book and someone's talking to me, I can't hear them. I don't exist in that, this world anymore. I'm in that book. Um, so I can't hear anything. You know, if somebody's waving in front of my face, I can't see them. Um, I can like, it's almost like a blackout state. And I'm grateful for that because when I write, I'm able to get into that state and I only exist in the world that I'm in. And so it's really given me the opportunity to explore the things that I find funny um, without necessarily like I try, I try really hard, but like, my brain comes up with a little, with a lot of things that I don't necessarily credit myself for, if that makes sense. Cause it's like these two parts of my brain, like the thinking part and the ADHD part. And this guy is always just like on, just always on. Um, and yeah. you credit, you don't take credit because you just kind of feel like the ideas come from, from the ether. Yeah. Like it's this thing where it's like, I don't feel like it's coming from myself. It's almost like a separate thing, which sounds so weird to say out loud and so stupid, but at the same time, like it really is just like this part of my brain that I don't have control over, which like I said, drives me nuts. But at the same time, like it gives me so, so many ideas and, and so much material to work through and work with. Um, and I'm grateful for that. So I do like, I know it's a part of me and it's a part of my brain, but it's not the critical, you know, the thinking part of it. It's like its own entity. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I completely support you and I could, this, this <laughs> podcast ain't about me, so I won't share the goofy thoughts I've had about creativity. But yeah, I think, I think it's healthy when a creative person doesn't care about owning authorship and saying it's me, 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 because you don't, you can't sit down and say, I will create now. Like it does come from somewhere else. It really does. Yeah. And to your point, like, you know, I pulled together this script, I pulled together this idea. I put so much work into it, but there were so much, there was so much in that film that also came from the people that I was working with, you know? And I feel like having a good crew and working with your friends is so important because they bring ideas to the table. And if they know your unique voice specifically, they can bring ideas to the table that will complement that. And that's really what happened. Like I, I was very grateful for everybody who ended up being a part of this film because everybody contributed in a way that just made it so much better. Um, for sure. And I'm sure on the page, the vision was so clear that that probably right. When something when something is so clearly what it is, then it's easier for people, then it's more natural for people to contribute to it because they really get it. And, you know, I assume anyone involved on your creative, anyone you brought in to collaborate on this, since this, you know, wonderful to hear you got the grant. So, you know, you had the luxury of, of the grant allowing you to do this exactly as you wanted to. Right. So you, I'm sure you pulled in people who you trusted and knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think our crew and cast, there was no point where it was larger than eight or nine people. And I mean, for the most part, you know, it was Alex, my partner, but also, you know, he was the EP on this and he played the cameraman. Um, and then Kate, she was the DP, but also, you know, a huge part of production design and, and, planning the lighting and then Justin executing the lighting and he was the producer on it. And then he edited, he edited the whole thing with me. And I mean, he brought so much to the editing space. 
Um, and this was my first film. So as a first time director, I was able to learn so much in the editing room. And I feel like that's so important, um, because it's not something that you consciously think about as a first time filmmaker. You know, I feel like that's a lesson that you end up learning. Um, but being able to think about it in terms of cuts and, you know, how comedy is going to cut together. Cause that's such a huge part of nailing all the, the laughs per minute. Um, he really taught me a lot. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for everybody who worked on it. It was a really, really great, great core team. Yeah, I can't agree with you more about the fact that comedy editing is is the just there should be a separate Oscar for comedy editing because I've seen it. I've seen very funny material that was funny on the page and funny when it was shot. And then someone who doesn't have comedic timing edits it and it's bland. Yeah. Yeah. It can make or break your film. Yeah. Whereas, you know, not to be a dick, but anyone can cut together drama and like, yeah. Oh, what do we want to see? We want to see that face. We want to see that reaction. Like it's, it's, it's where it's comedy editing is like super challenging and, and it is, it is a wonderful art form. Yeah, it really is. It's a fun fun we had a lot of fun in the editing room and we had a lot of fun on set too and you knew uh, obviously was it as you had the idea to do the vampire plants and by the way we're talking about my friends of the plants a lot i actually am gonna like shift back to when you were younger and 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 your whole acting thing that led up to this but as long as we're talking about my friend the plants we might as well do it so uh, how early in the process did you decide to do the mockumentary thing? Because that is one of the uh, things about it that I think also really impresses judges and, and, you know, our juries that loved it is that it's, if I told you how many bad mockumentaries film festivals get every year, I mean, cause a lot of everyone thinks it's just, they watch the office and they think, Oh yeah, this is the easy way to make a film. You just turn and talk to the camera every once in a while. And they're almost yeah. all terrible. Like it's actually a really difficult form to get right. So was it early in the writing process you decided to do mockumentary or was it something that evolved? Um, so it was actually a part of one of the other scripts that I wrote. Um, but that one was like a mockumentary, almost like a horror Western um, it was really cool. It was turning out to be very interesting, but you know, during COVID we just wouldn't be able to get that kind of location that we were looking for. Um, and so pulling those elements into, you know, something that was more of a drama that started with just plants and, uh, tying the two together really kind of, you know, pulling the, mo- the mockumentary aspect into it really pulled the entire thing together. Um, because I feel like you needed those in-between moments for it to be funny. Uh, You needed those in-between moments for you to understand why this person does what she does and how she got here. Um, And without those elements, like it would have dragged the film out so much in a way that I don't think we would have been able to fit the entire story into 10 minutes. For sure. Uh, Yeah. It was an efficient way to tell the story. Yeah. And added so much comedy because clearly, and it, and it gave you the chance to do that kind of performance too, which I'm sure was fun. It was, it was one of those things where I didn't think about the acting at all. Um, we had three weeks of pre-production and prior to that, we were working on Kate and Justin's film. Um, and so that was like the whole month before And so by the time we got around to actually filming, I was like, oh, my God, I've been so wrapped up with directing and wardrobe and production design that I haven't thought about this character at all. And I had a conversation on the first day and I was like, hey, guys, so this might be a little bit rough because I haven't had time to think about it. And then I sat into it was I think we did the mockumentary first or something. I sat into it and I was like, I've read this script probably 200 times at this point. I know this character through and through. Um, even with the bathroom monologue, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get through this. We're going to have to take it in chunks. And then it just came out of my mouth. And I was like, yeah, because you've read it 200 times. Like, you know, this script, like front to back, you know, this character through and through. So just trust yourself and let yourself just explore while you're here. 
Yeah, and uh, clearly on the page and in your performance, you you imbued her with a lot of depth because you're that lead character of yours. We see so many sides of her. Like, like for a short, we actually see, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say we see her murderous side, but we also see her sensitive side and her her regretful side. We, we see so, you know, we see... I, you remind me of a maxim that I was learned from a college professor a long time ago, which is if you write a person, you get a character. If you write a character, you get a stereotype. And if you write a stereotype, you get nothing. And like you wrote a person. Yeah. Well, the important thing for me when it comes to acting is, you know, when you look at a human being and you look at, you know, the psychology of a human being, how you act in your home by yourself is very different than how you interact with your significant other when they're in your home all of a sudden, or, you know, how you interact with your friends, how you interact with the person who's at the grocery store. And so I felt like bringing that kind of, you know, realness to her where in different situations, she is acting like a different person because you know, as a human being, you wear so many masks and it's like, you just, you need to see all those sides of a character in order to really feel for them. You know, you don't just love one side of a person. Like you love that side of the person because you've seen the other sides of them that maybe aren't as, you know, charming or uh, something that you enjoy, but you love them as a whole, despite that. And you know, what's really kind of cool that I just realized is that, even though you sort of introduce us as you you reached a point where you kind of wanted to write something for you to act in, but then you completely shifted your focus to telling the best story possible, and you forgot about the you you literally just stopped thinking like an actor for a while. I did, and you know what? It was so freeing. Like there was so much freedom to that, and so it's it's allowed me to take a completely different approach to you know, when I am preparing sides for an audition, I don't like, I read a lot. I think reading as an actor is so important because if you read a book, then you understand characters and, you know, you're envisioning it in your head and you're hearing the way that they speak in this book and you assign this person a voice and a face and all of these other things. And so when I'm, you know, auditioning, I read the sides, like it's a story, like it's a book. And so I can see that character. They're not me you know, but I'll bring elements of myself to it. Um, and I can hear the way that they talk and it'll change my voice and it'll change the way that I speak. Um, and I, I think that's so important as an actor to be able to, you know, encompass all of that. Yeah. I think that's what makes, that's what makes a performance great. All right. So we're talking about you as an actor. So I'm going to jump on that half-assed segue to say, okay, so around three, you decided you wanted to be an actor and or pro soccer player. So I assume you were an AYSO kid, but were you (laughs) uh, also like doing school plays and stuff? Were you, did you caught the acting bug so early? Did you pursue it or was it always in the back of your mind? So it's interesting. Um, I knew I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't like to perform in front of people. I spent a lot of time by myself when I was a kid or with my brother. And, you know, we had the typical childhood of my mom being like, you know, it's, it's hot outside during the summer. Don't come home until dinner. And so we'd go run around in the woods and, you know, it was this freedom of imagination that really kind of, I liked the idea of playing other people. Um, as a kid, like I just felt like, and it's probably because of the ADHD, which I didn't know I had until a few years ago, but I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And so the opportunity to pretend to be somebody other than myself was so much more intriguing than being myself on a regular basis. Um, and I think that's really what kind of, you know, drew me to acting was I didn't have to pretend to be myself. I could be anybody else. Um, and so it's funny. I had this class in sixth grade, um, and, we did this radio thing and you had to write your own radio uh, advertisement and then your own radio show. And I thought that was so cool. And then a step further was in seventh grade. We had like, I just enjoyed it so much that my friend and I started writing, writing a feature film, which was actually a horror comedy. Um, 
And so as a result, like, you know, after that, I started getting into plays and stuff, but I didn't really start acting until 2014. Really interesting. So, and uh, I just got asked too, you mentioned the woods. Where'd you grow up? Massachusetts. Oh, gotcha. But, but not in the heart of the city. You were, you were, there was uh there were trees around. Oh yeah. Like when I was a kid, my house was completely surrounded by trees. And then we moved to a different house that was completely surrounded by trees. And my parents still live there today. Oh, excellent. Excellent. All right. So, so when you say you started acting at 2014, in 2014, did that involve a move to LA or? Not yet. I was in Massachusetts at the time. Um, and I, I went to school for fashion design. So I have a double bachelor's degree in fashion design and fashion merchandising. And, uh, I worked for the TGX companies for a little bit. And, um, in 2013, they had budget cuts and my position was cut and it was soul crushing. And I remember one of my friends at the time being like, well, you've always wanted to be an actor. Like, why don't you get some headshots done? And so I went to this person's trailer. I got some headshots done and I ended up kind of just falling into it. And then I met Alex in 2015 and he was moving to Los Angeles. And so he asked me to go with him and I did. So if the fashion job hadn't ended, you, you were happy with it. You were going to stay in that. I mean, I liked it. I loved the job. Um, Anybody who's worked in the fashion world knows that the people are a little bit difficult. Um, It can wear on your soul. So I don't know how long I would have lasted in the fashion world Um, because it wasn't something that I was, you know, uh, in love with. It was my second choice. I had looked at Emerson. I wanted to go to school for acting. It didn't work out. So I went to school for fashion design instead. And so I feel like it was always just kind of a second option and I was content with it for a little bit, but I don't think I would have been content with it forever. Cause I, I have a hard time being complacent. Sure. Sure. So, so you, uh, so you move out here with Alex and, and you just hit the ground running or. Yeah. I mean, I hit the ground running in that. I, well, we moved out in 2016. We did a three month road trip. Um, and then we landed probably closer to 2017 and we got our first department in January, 2017. Um, so I tried, I hit the ground running in regards to, you know, putting in the effort, but I felt like I kept coming up against roadblocks. Um, and so in 2018, I started writing and I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to start writing scenes. I'm going to start there. Um, we'll film a couple of scenes for our reels. I did that with some friends and, uh, I really liked it. I liked being, you know, in front of the camera, but also having, um, I don't want to say control, but there is a level of control that you have being behind the camera and directing yourself. Um, and I do really enjoy that. I think it's more so the ability to show up on set on the day and know exactly what your character is and exactly what you're doing. Um, And, you know, that's not to say I don't enjoy the collaborative part of working with a a different director. I love that, too. Um, It was just more so like bringing in a character that I really loved and being able to do whatever I wanted with it and having that freedom. Um, Yeah. And control is not a bad word when you're talking about creativity. Right. It's not like uh, being a controlling person in a relationship. And honestly, I think you've also shown that when, especially with your story about the editing room and stuff, is that when when you see talent in others, you don't try to squash it out and make it about you. You you are happy to collaborate. Yes. Yes. And well, that was the big part of my friends at plants was knowing that when I went into it, I was like, I am green here. I want to be a sponge. I want to learn as much as I can. And so if somebody came to me um, with an idea, I was never like, no, you know, I I don't ever want to be like, no, because it gets to the point where you're like, but what if? And so instead I was like, show me, I'm a visual learner. I can't understand what you're saying just from your mouth. So show me what you mean. 
And then, you know, we can go from there and see if it's going to fit. And oftentimes it would, and sometimes it wouldn't. And it would be like, all right, well, I think that's a great idea. I just don't think it's, you know, pertaining to this project specifically. Um, so being able to have those open conversations and, you know, like I said, have people care enough about if, if someone's bringing ideas to your project is because they care about it. Um, and so I don't know, the idea of shooting that down for me, just, it didn't feel like an option that I wanted to, that I wanted to explore. I wanted to be open to everything. Yeah. Which is a combination. I think of it's more than just being gracious. It's being wise enough to realize that there's value to other people's thoughts and opinions. And, and if you shut things off and you made me wonder with your, when, with the acting and stuff, did you ever play with the improv thing? Cause what you kind of described sounded to me like the yes and rule in a way that if someone puts an idea out, you don't shit on it. You just mm-hmm. say yes. And then you see a way to incorporate it and, and, and improve on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't improv in the film. Everything was very much, but I mean, in life, like, like, did you have some, did you do some improv classes and stuff along the way and, and sort of bring that, bring that very helpful collaborative attitude? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I mean, I, I grew up playing sports, you know, I was, I played soccer. Um, I was captain of my track teams. And so like, I feel like, you know, that helped me to understand how to work on a team properly. And that, you know, if one person's trying to control everything, it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't feel good. Um, you know, I want people to come to my sets and feel good and feel excited and feel like they want to share. And I don't want anybody to ever feel like their idea was shot down. You know, even if somebody brings an idea, like I said, that doesn't work. I'm still grateful that they brought the idea um, that's so important to me, uh, because it shows that they really care about your project. Absolutely. I love what you said about the sports thing too, because team sports really do. I mean, filmmaking is a team sport. It just is. And people who don't learn the lesson of if you, (laughs) if you try to be a ball hog, you just, you're, you're more likely to lose than, you know, the greatest players in the world on teams, all sports make their teammates better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want so badly to win. They're like, I'm, I can't, I can't score every goal myself. I've got to, I've got to get some assists. I've got to help on D whatever. So anyway, that, that (laughs) it's all, I tell you, it's all coming together. The Christine story. (laughs) And you were writing for a while. So, so it, it is, it is cool. So were the other things you wrote was your, cause I, I'm now I'm going back to the idea that when you got the grant, uh, you were, your friends were letting you know, or you were getting the feedback of like, we don't see Christine in here. Mm-hmm. Was Christine in your earlier stuff that you wrote that they saw? And that's why they kind of harped on it or. Yeah. Here and there. Um, you know, sometimes I would write stuff that they, you know, I mean, like I said, they were honest and I'm open to honesty. So for me, I had a couple of scripts and it's funny enough because the ones that people were like, this is your voice. I'm actually either in post-production on those scripts, uh, film wise or in pre-production on the next film. Um, I think it's more so I've spent so much time with these people and they know my personality And so it was more like, we're not seeing your personality on paper. We're not seeing, you know, all the funny things that you say and do and, you know, all the strangeness that makes you uniquely you, you're missing that. And, you know, I could sit there and be like, oh, well, that's not what I want to do or blah, blah, blah. But it is, you know, I want to put my voice out there Um, and I want to do it in a way that makes me feel good. And what makes me feel good is making absurd comedies. Um, so I feel like, yeah, uh, you know, writing has always been interesting and, and sometimes it's a hit and sometimes it's a miss, but you know, I just, whatever comes into my brain, I write it down because you never know where it's going to pop up later. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to add the compliment that Besides the comedy that you're talking about, I mean, and it certainly is a dark comedy, 
but there's cuteness in it and there's sweetness in it and there's humanity in it. So, you know, you actually, uh, as, as, you know, it's not just a, uh, murder can be fun kind of film. It, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's got a lot more depth than that. Mm-hmm. Which Thank I'm you. sure, which I'm sure is in you. I'm, you know, it's funny. Someday I'll, I, I look forward. I'll, I'll never say this to anyone, but someday I'll say to someone, well, yeah, yeah, you're actually not the kind of person who should write anything because you're just not interesting. But clearly all your friends know you are in, I mean, you have these sides that you have, you have a dark sense of humor, but then you obviously are a caring person and, and thoughtful, you know, I mean, so Thank it you. works. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, and again, I say that as someone who watches like over a thousand, like 1500 films a year get submitted to these two festivals. So, I mean, when it sounds like I only say nice stuff, it's that I only say nice stuff on the podcast because I only have the good ones on the podcast, you know, <laughs> believe me, sometimes, sometimes I do, you know, what's funny is with high TV, I said to somebody once, should we have a so bad it's good section? Yes. And I yes. uh, see I, you're with me. Whereas one, one, of, one of the business partners was like, trust me, no one thinks they're bad. Every film that you've seen that could fit into these so bad it's good. If you say to them, I want to put you in that section, they'll be offended. Oh, true. He has a point, but like, Yeah, I know deep I, down it'll it'll maybe that'll come. That'll come if and when uh when we get enough subscribers that it's like super profitable to throw a film in, then we can just say to people, you know what? Your film is so bad it's good. You want in? And they'll be like, Well, it's better than being left out. I don't know. So anyway. Right? Make some money off it, you know. Like, yeah, I love that idea. It is true. I would- I- so great to hear that you're so so this was the first film. And like you yes. said, you got started and you shot during COVID. Uh, yeah, we shot it in October of 2020. Um, wow. Pre-vaccine. Yeah, it was wild. Um, and we, we took precautions. Um, so we shot here at my apartment and then we shot at Kate and Justin's. And so it was Kate, Justin, uh, and Kate's brother, they were all kind of living in a pod. And then Alex and I, and then we had some like floater friends here and there, like one or two or three, I think three. And so it was really small and we all tested and we all made sure that we weren't sick and we all quarantined prior to it. So we really put in the effort to make sure that nobody was, uh, bringing COVID to set. Cause that would have been awful. Um, but yeah, it worked out and we, really grateful that it did. It was a wild time, but I think we all needed it. You know, I think making art during times like that is so important to be able to kind of work through it and process everything that's going on. And, you know, there is that little bit of quarantine to this film, that quarantine feeling. Um, there is that trapped feeling and that was not intentional, uh, which is interesting. True. Although it's, it's fascinating because I mean, it's, it feels like it has a really big cast (laughs) because there's so many plants in it that are actually alive. It's true. But obviously you didn't have to worry about the plants. Even though I guess there really are very few people on screen. Yeah. It feels like a very well fleshed out, but of course, yeah, she lives remotely. Yep. She's she's out in the middle of, well, I know we get the impression she's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But I mean, even our actors in the film, you know, it was Alex, our EP, Justin, our editor, producer, lighting guy, uh, Levi, who's Kate's brother. He was the first AD. Um, And one other person who happened to be a friend and uh, was willing to drive all the way out to where Kate and Justin live and roll down a hill so that I could pretend I was carrying him up a hill. And other than that, like, you know, everybody who was in the cast was part of the crew. Which, and they're all good. Yeah. Everybody was fantastic. They really, you, you, well, that was either lucky or it was a testament that I bet most of them would say it's a testament to the material. 
Maybe I feel like I got lucky too. <laughs> Cause I mean, like for Justin, you know, he has that one scene, uh, where they're, I don't want to give away too much. Um, but they're having dinner outside and that was the first take. And I was thoroughly impressed, you know, um, we did a couple of other takes, but like, I was thoroughly impressed with what he brought to the table and, you know, for Levi, you know, running away from the shovel, I mean, he brought so much comedy to it and I was like, this is fantastic. Um, and the only reason we shot multiples of that was for the technicality of it, trying to figure out how to, you know, make a backyard look like a much larger space than it was. Um, and it worked out and we were really grateful for that. And you, uh, it's sounding like you shot it pretty quickly. We shot in four days. Yeah, four days. Even though it was during COVID, and you had created a nice little pod, you could have uh, could have spent a month together doing it. But you got it done in four days, huh? Yeah, and we cut four minutes out of the film, so it was originally fifteen minutes long. Um, so we had a lot more shots that we had done too, a lot more filming. And was that just because that's what the way the story was best told, or were you were you aiming to make it? Not, uh, no. we had a, you know, it's <sighs> what I, I had a friend and he told me this very smart thing, which was when you go to make a film, you make three films, uh, the one you write, the one you shoot and the one you edit. And, you know, the original ending just didn't work. You know, it wasn't working for any of us. And so we had to figure out a way to, cut stuff together in order to make the story. And we cut out four minutes. We completely cut out the ending. We took stuff from the middle and that ended up becoming the ending. And it just worked out. It made the film so much better as a result, which was wild to me. And you've just made my job really difficult because as if this is a job, but, but, uh, cause you don't want, we don't want to do spoilers, which I respect but I cannot imagine the way it ends now wasn't written as the ending. Cause that's, that's just how wonderfully natural it is. And you didn't go back and reshoot anything. No, no, we didn't have the, we didn't have the time or the space or the capacity. We were all moving parts at that point. Um, and so, yeah, the, end, the ending was actually the middle. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Well, I gotta say, you don't, I, I just, I'm just joking, but you don't have to tell anyone that because it looks perfectly written. It was, it looks like it would have been perfect on the page. Perfect, perfect storytelling instincts to end it the way you did. I ah, it's so sweet too. I just want to hug that planet and you can't it hug plants. Like it didn't happen immediately. Like we, you know, all felt a little bit defeated and then we took a step back and then, you know, we were all sitting around one day and. Kate was kind of like, well, what if this? And we cut it together and we were like, yeah, that works. And we, you know, started moving different pieces around it so that it all uh, kind of fleshed together really well. And, you know, it, it was a completely different story, but it worked. It worked well. That's wonderful. I'll, I'll say like as, you know, over the years, it's been about eight years of festivals for me and and like some people come back with stuff and especially comedy. I've never seen a comedy that wasn't a little better, a little shorter because mm -hmm. that timing of the, of the, you know, exposition, you don't need exposition for, for comedy. No. Yeah. I feel like people are really forgiving with comedy. If you have a good story and it makes them laugh. For sure. For sure. And I guess what I really also meant, and I'm, whatever, it, it is, it's always funny to me how wonderful things are when you get a later cut, when you like, you see a rough cut and then you see, see it four minutes shorter and it just sings. Yeah. It tightens it up really nicely. Um, yeah. What an experience. It was really cool. <laughs> Excellent. And, and so since, since doing that and, and hitting the festival circuit, and I guess were you, you feel free to say, Jeff, that like, I don't want to talk about money, but was the grant enough that the grant also covered like the festival run? No, no. So the <laughs> festival run, cause you have, you have been a dedicated festival goer. Yeah. The festival run definitely cost me way more than the film. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, it breaks my heart when I hear that. But thank you for submitting to the festivals I happen to be involved in. <laughs> no, yeah. That was, it was more so like the ones that charge a higher price and you have a really low rate of getting in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know a lot of people who the the, the festival run, con- <laughs> their festival experience was more expensive than the film, even with features, which is hard to believe. It's wild. But it's so worth it. Like you meet so many wonderful people on the festival circuit that it's like at the end of the day, the experience of it was worth every penny that I put into it. Excellent. Excellent. And you mentioned at least two other things that you're working on or one that's in pre and one that's in post. Yeah. So, so you've been, you've been very productive because I, it was a year ago and actually was Sherman Oaks film festival sort of towards the, well, I know you had been in a lot of festivals by then, right? Um, I we had been in a like couple, you... yeah. Because it was later 2021. Yeah, yeah, it was November 2021. When I think you... we started in September 2021. So I want to say at that point, maybe we were in 15 festivals. Excellent. What, how cool is that? You know, sometimes people tell me like, I didn't get into any other festivals. And I'm like, what's up with those other festivals? It doesn't make sense. So I'm so glad that yours resonated with people. It did. We ended up uh, with, a, a, um, we got into 53 film festivals. And I think we ended up with 19 awards and like 16 nominations on top of the awards. So it was, it was a really productive run and we were. But 53, you said 53. 53 festivals. Yeah. I went to like 20, 25 of them, 24 of them. Yeah. I see. So my joke that like you're going to a festival every day, it's at least (laughs) for a year, but over the course of a year, that's like a festival every other week. Right. It was a lot. It was like, I felt like I was going to a festival like every other, and you know, I feel like a lot of people, don't understand the amount of time and the amount of work that you have to put into actually like submitting and keeping up and sending emails and then all the deliverables and then attending, like it's a full-time job. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to put that burden on anybody else. So I took it all on myself and it was wild. Uh, but so worth it, like so worth it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially because I mean, I'm going to guess that, I mean, Hundreds and hundreds of people have seen the film now. I would imagine, you know, over a thousand, because I, I would hope that like you average 50 plus people per per festival. Actually, I know Sherman Oaks, you were you were in a that, that theater is packed. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. I was not expecting the reaction that we got, and it was incredible. Yeah, because that was a very eclectic uh that was yeah. that was I love those eclectic blocks of films where there's, I think we started with the stuff from, from the, the animation school and then, and then we yep. had your film and then we had the sci-fi one. And then we finished with that beautiful um, animation from about Tehran about, or about Iran. Yeah. The, the cat. So yeah, just a, just a cool thing, but everyone appreciated everything. It was really. Fantastic block. Yeah. And I just, I just was so happy that all the uh, Persian people appreciated your work too. I did too. Yeah. Like that made my day. It really did. I, I think I had a smile on my face for a week after that. Cause it was just, it was so unexpected and so, you know, so genuine and, and very, I don't know. It was a really, really wonderful experience. Yeah. And deep down the festival, you know, the filmmaking experience can be so isolating that it's so wonderful that you get, get the, to share it with the public. I think that's the trade off, right? You like hunker down, you spend months writing this thing, then you collaborate with some people and it's awesome. And then you hunker down and you spend months editing it and doing the color and doing the sound and doing the music. And then you get to put it out in the world and people, you know, react to it. And it's a really cool experience. And it's so much better putting it out, putting it in theaters with human beings instead of just, you know, throwing it online and seeing the comments. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just meeting new people and getting, you know, getting to see other people's work, too, is just 
I don't know, the whole experience, I feel I like my mind still trying to wrap itself around everything that's happened in the past year. I can imagine so, because you've, and you've done such a good job of it. Like you said, 53 fast. I mean, yeah. Uh, what point are you, are you done? Are you, are you done with the fests? Yeah, we have like a couple, like two or three more to hear from, but for the most part we're done. Um, and then we go on high TV and I'm so stoked for that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll add, uh, is it, well, I was just going to ask, is it, is it, was it, is it almost weird? Like, to be done with the festival thing after doing it for, for such a long time. I think so. But I think that's also why I made this next film is so that I do have something. And then, you know, I don't know if this one will go on. Like, I don't know if we'll do the festival circuit for this upcoming one. It might just be a little in betweener to put out um, between my friends, the plants, and then the one that I want to film this upcoming year. Um, But I, I feel like being busy and just being able to make stuff and being able to interact with people after you make something um, is so important. And I feel like I'm probably addicted to it now and I don't know that I'll be able to stop. So that's great to hear. I mean, I always, it always breaks my heart just a little bit when someone has a great film at the festivals and then like a year too later i yeah, i've actually had people on the podcast like get back to me a little later and say i'm done <laughs> i'm not making anything anymore and i'm like oh you're one of the good ones it's a, it's always a bummer when the good ones walk away from although i do say if you can walk away walk away because you should only do it if you absolutely have to 100 percent. yeah i agree with that yeah but it is and, heartbreaking and uh, and you mentioned auditions and stuff, so you're still still doing the acting thing while you're making the films as well. Yeah, yeah, because I I wasn't expecting to fall in love with the um, directing side of it. It was more so something I started to do out of well, I wouldn't say desperation, but the opportunity presented itself, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do this. Um, but then I ended up falling in love with it, and I was like, okay, I want to keep doing this, and. You know, I, I, it's such a, like I said, creative freedom, there's nothing like it. And so to be able to direct, write and act and put something out there, like, I love that. I want to keep doing that. For sure, man. I I wish I could uh, talk to the people at that grant and say, so what was it? What sparked you? (laughs) (laughs) How cool that, that, and it turned into this such a, such a delightfully original, you know, horror comedy. I mean, that's, that's, I'm sure it's not what they were expecting. No, they definitely weren't, but they're very happy about it. And uh, I mean, I'm still in constant contact with them. Um, I actually just met with them. I went home to Boston for the holidays. And so I met with them there. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the work that they do for uh, indie filmmakers in, you know, the Boston scene and women filmmakers, it's just, it, it's so appreciated and, and they put so much effort into it and they're really wonderful people. And I'm forever grateful to them because without them, I don't think I would have directed anything. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's just a wonderful story that your friend told you about this grant and and then you nailed it. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> and then fingers crossed, bigger things keep happening. And then, you know, it'll be oh, such a good story. <laughs> Thank you. I have, and I'm not joking. I always say like, my hope is, you know, people on, you know, this podcast is about the people on the festival circuit. And I just love the idea that like five, 10 years down the road, you know, People will be doing big old, big ass Hollywood shit. And then someone will Google them and find this podcast from when they were like, you know, not flying private. (laughs) Yes, it's going to happen. I'm honestly very looking forward to that day. (laughs) I I will light a candle to this hope. (laughs) Thank you. I will too. For you too. For your sake too. Because I think, you know, the Sherman Oaks Film Festival also does so much. You know, I met so many people on the festival circuit this year who 
uh, later on because you let, you know, you have the film, film, filmmaker awards. Um, I saw their films again and I was like, Hey, I'm judging for Sherman Oaks or uh, for film invasion. And I saw your film again and just being able to have those conversations. Like there were so many people who, who knew you and thought that you were wonderful and we were able to connect over. I can't tell you how many times I've sang your praises this past year, <laughs> genuinely, like seriously, I met so many people who are like, Jeff is so cool. He's such a nice guy. And we talked about you and it was wonderful. And so I want you to know that it's very much appreciated what you're doing. Like, well, I appreciate that. I'm all, I probably am blushing. I'm not, I'm not used to, uh, used to people <laughs> saying you're nice, but that, that's really, I can't imagine these conversations happening, but Hey, that's very cool. And that's what I'm, yeah. I gotta admit. I'm so, I forget who suggested the filmmakers board, but as soon as I heard the idea, I'm like, Oh, that's wonderful because, and it's funny because I know some people value the grand jury prize or grand jury awards are like maybe more prestigious than the filmmakers awards. But I like the filmmakers awards are decided by a jury of their peers. Like it's, it's your peers deciding. And, and, and I just think that's that, I think that gives it more weight. I think so too, for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, not to, not to shit on the grand jury of which I am a member, but, but you know, the grand (laughs) jury is a little too old and a little too white and a little too male for me. (laughs) <laughs> and I keep trying to fix that shit, but I can't. So the filmmakers board makes up for it because it's the filmmakers board is more than half female and not too damn white. And uh, it just makes me so much happier to to have a jury that is not uh, homogenous, I'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I think it's really great. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that so much. All right. Well. I'll try to not be too distracted from the flattery and uh, anything you want to add before, before we uh, wrap it up. I, I don't mean to wrap it up, but it seems like we're kind of there. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Well, you want to say uh, besides your, is, do you want to give your social media handle if people want to follow you on Instagram and stuff? And is there a, is there a website devoted to you and your films? Uh, yeah. So they're both the same thing. So my Instagram handle is at Christine Salazi. And then my website is www.christinesalazi.com. So you are blessed with a name. I'm the <laughs> only you one. Could, <laughs> you're the only one. Believe me, I am not the only Jeff Howard. Oh, uh, I realize. You're the only <laughs> I got a running joke that I I should have changed my name right when I started this. When I agreed to be the face of the festival, I should have changed the J in my name to a K. So I'd be Kef Howard. I would still respond to it. Like if I heard someone say it behind me, I'd turn around. But at least like, like there's like 72 Jeff Howards on IMDb, I think. So. Wow. Really? And I will not, well, I'm making that number up, but. I'm a fairly old, low number because I'm quite old, but I will admit that there are, uh, it's, I got two, two very plain first names. What are you going to do? I should stop complaining about my name. Christine <laughs> Salozzi, at Christine Salozzi and Christine Those will both be uh, clickable links in the show notes for the podcast. Thank you. And you're ready for this. I will now go on the spiel for the, for the closing spiel. Which is, first of all, thank you everyone for listening. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. People say it matters. I don't know. I'm not too worried about that. But if you want to write a nice comment, that's always nice. If you want to give five stars or a thumbs up, it's always nice. And I'll very quickly, and we mentioned uh, the Sherman Oaks Film Festival uh, and Film Invasion Los Angeles, where, where my friends, The Plants, played at both festivals. If you want to learn about the one we hold every June, that's Film Invasion Los Angeles. And you can learn about it at FilmInvasionLA.com. And it's at Film Invasion LA on all the social media platforms. And Sherman Oaks Film Festival is ShermanOaksFF.com at ShermanOaksFF. And uh, they're fun festivals. I got the email two days ago on January. For, on the first of every month, I get an email from Film Freeway saying... Uh, 
that both festivals are ranked in the top 100 worldwide for best reviewed. Awesome. I love that. And the crazy thing is there's 12,000 film festivals in the world now. 12,000. God, that's wild. Uh, You know, that was some, I, I can't even grasp it, but, you know. And only a thousand are in LA. I have no idea how many are in LA. All right. So <laughs> I, I think I said everything I'm supposed to say. Oh, I didn't say for the podcast. You can learn more about it if you go to discoverindiefilm.com and it's at DIF wins on social media. Okay. I have now done my job as as a uh, as a talking head. <laughs> Christine, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was awesome. And for anyone listening, still, the next podcast after this, Christine will be answering the Discover Indie Film Four questions, which means you'll get to hear some of her favorite movies and maybe some of her not-so-favorites and stuff. So it's a fun chat about film. This is the interview podcast. The next one is, is for the cinephiles out there. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah.